It really is impactful upon me now. And I reflect that that's the reason that I feel so passionate about running these trainings is because um, that young person grew up into a beautiful, strong woman who um, took her life at the age of 23 and that she's not had the opportunities that I've had. She's not had the life that I've been blessed with, although she has made such an impact in those short 23 years. I'm so sorry that she's not here. My name is Teresa Hudson and I'm the coordinator of the Community Information Centre. In today's podcast, I sit down with Katie Dunlop, who is a volunteer with an organisation named CAUSE, which stands for Community Response to Eliminating Suicide. Suicide is an important topic in every household in Australia and it's something that we all need to continue talking about. This podcast was produced on the lands of Gujal, Wulgarugaba and Bindal people. The Community Information Centre pays its respects to Elders past, present and future. Let's talk about you. You know, I think when you said you need to talk about um, where people came from and a bit of their backstory because a lot of that stuff, all of those values are what you yeah, know, make well, us who we are. And for a lot really, of people. Yeah, it yeah. shapes the person you are. It shapes who we are and what we do and why we do it. Yeah. So, you know, I really, really get that stuff and then I suppose a lot of the um, – a lot of the core stuff does come back to that again, you know, like I so um, I have a young one now, so I think how will I raise him? And I think I just want him to be old and happy one day. And he gets really cranky about it, like, stop saying that, Mum. I don't want to be old. And I'm going, no, no, I want you to live a long, happy life. And that's a different thing, you know, like I want you to have so many experiences in between that, but I want you to get to there. Yeah. And there's so many young people we know that just And there's so many choices you have to make in <sighs> life to get there. Absolutely. You have to make Absolutely. you have to make bad choices too. Yeah, and along the way, it's um, you know, it's a really really interesting one because along the way, people when they talk about brave, like oh, I can't talk to people about that, I can't talk to people about suicide, I can't talk to people about their own mental health. And you know what? I don't know one person. I've not come across one person who's actually said, "How dare you ask me that question?" It's just it's not a thing. People are always just thankful that you care so much that you've had that conversation with them. Yep. You know what I mean? But it's great. I think that's why the brave stuff works so well with that, with the suicide intervention stuff because people, um, they get scared off by it but there's so many tiny, tiny practical things that they can do to help. So. With your current work that you're in and within your, a lot of your volunteering roles that you've had, suicide prevention seems to be one that's pulled you in that you seem very passionate about it. What pulled you into that? Well, I... Um, Many, many years ago, we had a, a gentleman turn up to work um, and his name was Ross Romeo. Straight away, um, even all those years ago, that was, I'm going to say eight years ago, um, he was just such a kind soul straight away. And he turned up to do a full day's training with us for cause, which is the community response to eliminating suicide. And it wasn't until, you know, I really did appreciate the, the learning at the time, the information, but... I didn't use it for a while and a year later um, I called him and I said, you won't believe what's happened. Um, we had lost three young people in 18 months, which is just... In this community? Yeah, yeah, in, in this really small region. So we've got 8,500 in town and then another four on properties and such. And so it's, um, I was like, that's, that's just crazy. You know, surely there's something we can do about that and straight away... 
my mind went to the training that we had been put through by my work, which was cause. And I thought, well, I think we need, I think we need a little bit more of that. And so I'd called him and said to him, do you mind training me? Can I be a trainer? And he went, yeah, perfect. Okay. I'll be there in two weeks. We'll get this done. Um, and ever since I've done, um, just a couple of year, that's all. I've just done a couple of year, facilitated them. Um, because I saw. When you say you've done a couple of year where you facilitated, how many people attend your training each time? Um, Oh, well, a whole range. Sometimes we've had a big group. The last one was a um, was a few months ago uh, where one of the attendees ended up just holding the new baby. <laughs> so it was really beautiful. Oh, gosh, I love small towns. Um, and so we, I think we had um, only 13 at that one, but I did say to them, um, to one of the participants after we finished, that was 200 for me. I think that was 200 community members then. Um, so it's very slow and steady. We've just done one here and there. And but that's 200 community members yeah. now who have hopefully been empowered to support somebody who may not be okay. It adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think our statistics were that one in four had actually used the training in a very, very practical sense. Yeah. yeah. Which is um, crazy to think that 50 of those people have had to go on to have this conversation. So 50 of those people know what to say or what to do or, or how to respond in a practical way. Um, and and when we say having the conversation, it's about directly asking someone and identifying if they're not okay. Yeah. And people, and that's, um, when you started talking about brave, we, every single one of us always jumped to one, oh gosh, you don't, you don't really want me to talk to you because I don't have a lot to say or I don't have a lot to share or maybe it's not that valuable. And, and straight away I kind of stopped myself and I went, oh, hang on, if no one had bothered to have this conversation with me back then, I wouldn't have d done the training. You know what I mean? If no one had just instilled that tiny little, one day you might need it though. You know, it, it isn't a lot. It's just a few hours. Let's just see how you go. Um, and so I'm really, really grateful of my work for actually pushing that all, all on us back then because um, every single one of us have a story about suicide. Every single one of us have a story about a friend, a family member. Um, and sometimes we're really reluctant to talk about them because although they are, they're impactful um, for us, they're not our stories. We don't take ownership of them because we go, oh, that didn't happen to us. Um, but the thing is the fact that when I talk about to people about, um, about suicide, everybody's got a story. Mm. Everybody has something to share. They, they really do. Um, and I do, you know, and I keep coming back to um, a photo that I have did you want to see it? Absolutely. We're on a radio podcast, but that's okay. Um, I have a photo um, of myself as a young person and I was about five. And it's a photo of two little girls in fairy costumes with paint all over our faces. Um, my mum had made me a butterfly cake um, for my fifth birthday. Um, and I'm standing with a little friend of mine and her name was Sophie. And um, it, really, it really is impactful upon me now. Um, and, and I reflect that that's the reason that I feel so passionate about running these trainings is because, um, that young person grew up into a beautiful, I'm going to cry anyway, but a beautiful, strong woman who, um, actually took her life at the age of 23. And so it's, it's really, really hard for me to, um, to welcome young ones and have them come to an age where I 
I reflect that that's when I was friends with this young person mm. um, and that she's not had the opportunities that I've had. She's not had the life that I've um, been blessed with, although she has made such an impact in those short 23 years. Um, I'm so sorry that she's not here, but there's there's a reason, you know, and there's a way that we can all move mm. forward. There's a way that we can all have an impact and make sure we save yeah. someone else. Yeah. But the way that I've been able to cope with that is to make sure that I continue to have these conversations with people and I continue to train people because that's the only way to move forward. Um, and when I take pictures of, of my little boy who's now five, who's the same age as these two little beautiful girls in fairy costumes, I think I just want you to be happy, mm-hmm. old man. And he doesn't yet understand that in order for him to get there, that in order for all of our neighbours and our friends and our colleagues to also prosper, we need to take really small steps, tiny little steps every day to just make sure people are okay. Mm. And it's just the conversations we have. Yeah, it's just those really basic conversations of of how are you um, and what is it that what is it that impacts upon your life? You know, what are your coping skills? I have this conversation with people all the time and I've had it in every possible place. They say, I'm just, I'm, my heart is sore. Someone said to me the other day, my heart is sore because she was just coping with a lot and it was a lot of little things and she said, but they're not big things. And I went. But if we don't Ooh. deal with the little things, yes. they become big things. They really do. Yeah. And she said, oh, I haven't been doing much. And I said, what do you mean you haven't been doing much? And she said, oh, well, I haven't really gotten to church. And I haven't really, you know, I haven't really, I haven't even had time to read. And I said, oh, hon, I said, these, this is the thing. I said, when all of those little things become persistent, that's when we stop coping because we stop doing the things. We stop having the time or the energy or the the passion for those things that actually make us who we are, that get us through the day. So by not reading, by not listening to music or tap dancing or whatever it may be, but not making time for those really, really little things, you know. Then do that. Absolutely. Unfortunately, we all go, I've just been so busy, so I let these other little things fall to the wayside and I'll I'll pick them up later. And I suppose the the thing that I really want to enforce with people is um, make that list of all the things that make you happy. Make time for them and be really, really consistent with it. And when you become drained or you become tired and you have a difficult time in your life, those are the things that are actually going to, uh, to support you to overcome that. And I don't, I don't think we always focus enough on self-care. Because it's what it is. It's self-care. And I'm absolutely, I'm one of the worst people for it um, because we're not always really honest about that coping stuff either. It's really personal and I feel like sometimes sharing so much of my personal information is going to turn people off. But the thing is, I encourage it with everybody else. So, I, you know, I need to get better about that stuff. Yeah. You know, I need to get better about going, we're doing this training today. Um, you all have a reason for being here. And my reason for being here is because I, not only do I want my kids to grow up um, in a world where we really care, passionately care for one another and, and, and the people who are always walking beside us, but because... Um, there's a young girl who's not here anymore and I really wish she was. Cause is a non-for-profit organisation and uh, based in Townsville, Bodekin, Charters Towers and everywhere in between with facilitators like yourself 
who I want to point out are volunteers. You're not paid to do what you do. You do it because you believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. Mum was um, mum's part of a church family from a Salvation Army and ancestors actually came over. The youngest one was, she was 18 and she came to trust ours with her dad and they set up the Salvation Army Church in Chatters Towers uh, in the goldfields in the middle of middle of everything and that's carried on through so a lot of the family members are actually linked with the Salvation Army Church still. Mum's still a chappie and I've, I've done chaplaincy in the past. It's something that we believe really strongly in, those community links and we had the kind of family that were very engaged. Like they, um, a real blessing, a real blessing. They were always there even when you didn't want them to be, even when you asked for a bit of space as a teenager, they were just always there. And it's just, yeah, it's really filtered on to, I suppose, the way I raise my children. So what did you do once you finished school? Um, I volunteer quite a little bit, but um, essentially I've worked at the same place. I've worked for um, the local neighbourhood centre, which is now Prospect, um, for 14 years, which is um, a real blessing to find a job that you like at 18. <laughs> um, and so I've worked in a whole a whole um, range of roles there from family support to disability and mental health and um, primarily with people when they're um, in crisis, you know, people who are just in really, really difficult times. And I, I find that to be very, very, um, very humbling because I'm fully aware of how um, privileged my life has been um, and how lucky I am to have been born into a family that's so hands-on and so large and so loving and loud and not everybody has that. And so um, even from a young age, I was pretty aware that um, although they didn't happen to me, terrible things happened all the time, you know, to other individuals or families or children um, all over the world. You know, so my, my um, philosophy has always been, what can we do about that? You know, like there's always something. What's there's, the solution? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's always something. There's always something tiny. And it certainly happens to us all the time, you know. Um, in the most difficult times for our family, you know, we have experienced um, loss, unfortunately. One of our, the closest people in our lives is my nan and she was just like the top person for everybody, everybody's favourite person. And she just was the kindest, gentlest, most gracious person you've ever met. And um, even in those most difficult times, you know, when she passed away um, a few years ago, you would find people come out of the woodwork, um, you know, people that would just really gives you that um, sense of community. You know, it really is that small town um, manner that people have. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know, I, I don't know if I would find that if I lived in a city, to be honest, because I've never tried. Um, but maybe that's just because I have it so Sounds good like you here. don't need to try yeah, either. I have it, yeah, it's just such a beautiful place to live. So I, it's, um, it's just one of those little spaces that... Um, I always laugh when people say to me, oh, you still live there. And I go, why don't you? You know, like it's beautiful and it's friendly and you know all the people. And my husband laughs at me because he says, surely you can't have that many conversations at Woolworths that it takes you an hour to grab bread. And I was like, yeah, but there, that's valuable time spent. That's okay to me. That's okay to live in such a small town that you build those relationships with people and you kind of know, you know, what's going on. But in small towns, that's the other thing is for one reason or another, we are really lacking services. And a lot of our families are out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and, and rural people are the most caring people you will ever find. They are a real community within themselves. Um, just gorgeous, gorgeous people who are always looking out for one another. And you need the skills to do that. You need to be able to have these conversations. With Absolutely. People. And 
and in terms of services, mental health and mental health and wellbeing support is such a sector that has a massive waiting list. So if we can empower the community to be able to support each other while you're waiting to get help, then it should still save a life. Yeah. And I think some people don't realise that um, for many people, it's actually, it's really small practical things that they can do now to support someone. Taking them to the women's shed once a week, you know, making sure that they have those community connections. They have other people looking in on them and checking up on them and making tea and coffee and um, what's the worst thing that can happen by linking other people back in with their community and by by doing training like this. And, and you talk about linking people into their community and earlier on in the piece you talked about like how does it take me an hour to go down to the shops and get a loaf of bread <laughs> because you've just spent an hour linking into your community, right? Yeah, and what a blessing. That, yeah, and what's that feeling like when you're coming home? You go like I've just touched base with five people. It works both ways, you know. I um, I do remember going to the shop and I was just having a draining day and I had several conversations with people and I got home and uh, a lady who I was on a committee with once um, turned up with a plant. I thought you might need this today, she said, and she had repotted a plant for me. And I was like, you know what, that lady probably saw that I was just having a difficult day. I was just a bit drained. You know, you never know what it would do just having a conversation with someone for five minutes. And I know that it, if it's uplifted me for someone to take the time to stop and have a conversation with me, what does that do for other people? You know, rushing past someone and saying, I'm sorry, I can't touch, talk today. Um, it's, um, it's not why we're here. These, these connections that we have with, with each other are the things that make life worth living. It's a blessing. Other people are a blessing and I think we just, we need to take a little bit more time to, to stop and check on one another. And part of the training is making sure that during the day you have conversations with the people who are sitting beside you in the training and at the end of the day getting the contacts of those people so that you have someone to call and say, last August I sat next to you in training and I really wanted to bounce this off someone because I've not had to use this, but I think I really need to. And those connections with individuals really mean, really mean a lot because we just, we know we can bring down the, these incidents. We can get these numbers down, but it takes, it it's takes a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it really, really does. Because at the moment it's actually, um, I'm sorry to say that it's on the rise. Um, for 2019, it was 3,318 people died from intentional harm and it was actually up from 2018 which is just terrifying and it's three still three times higher for males than it is for females Mm. and you know the stats tell us that nine out of ten people actually will give warning signs you Mm. know there's been a lot of um a lot of conversation with families about what were the changes and there are many people now who having done this training can actually track those we really, really tease all of that out is, you know, what, what are people's behaviours that could tell you that there's something wrong? And they go, oh, you know, they actually said this, but also, you know, she gets her hair done religiously. And I don't think I've seen her in the salon for three months. You know, I wonder why that is. And it's just, it's those people who do see them every day and have, a, you know, maybe a more in-depth um, relationship with them that they can identify those things. Um, and they're not always the, the best people to ask the question which is why you have people like myself who get phone calls saying, I just, I want to run something by you. 
this is the situation. It's actually my sister, so I'm not in the best frame of mind. I can't ask her that question, but I'd really like somebody else to do that because that needs to be done. Because yeah. it's a really tricky thing to ask someone if they're not okay. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, but in, like I said to you before, um, I'm not aware of anyone ever turning around having been asked that question, are you thinking of killing yourself? Anybody has turned around and gone, how dare you? Um, the response is always love and it's always care and yeah. it's always um, a reflection of I'm, I'm so glad that someone cared enough to have that conversation with me. Um, it's Yeah, it's a lot. And so um, I really... I really encourage people that um, before this becomes an issue in your life, before you have to say, I wish I knew how to respond, look for that little logo um, on these trainings and make some time for it just in case you need it in 10 years' time and you have little snippets that tell you, okay, these are the death rates for Australia, so I know who's most at risk. I know the age brackets. I know the gender. I know the... You know, I know all the things that make someone more susceptible for suicide and self-harm and I will know what to do and I'll know what to say because um, it just, it means a lot to your neighbours and your siblings and your friends and your colleagues that there are other people out there that are looking after them and their family members and they don't need to do everything. It, it's all of our responsibility. Well, and if we didn't children, have people like you in the community... Nothing, like nothing would get done or there'd be no charity balls or, you know, there would be no one facilitating cause. Yeah. So the communities, especially small regional communities, need people like you oh. and passion like yours. And because of the committees I'm on, I'm surrounded by them as well. That's mm. the thing. So when you're always around like-minded people who are also giving their time so and giving their... So uplifting. It is uplifting. Yeah. You're like, oh, you, you literally go like, I love you. Yeah. on a daily basis because you're always around people who have a similar mindset to you. And I wholly think that the only reason that I'm this person is because I've received so many blessings. So how dare I turn around and say I don't have time, mm. you know? And even if it's a tiny bit of time, the thing is I don't need to give days, but certainly an hour here and there doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. <sighs> it's how do you handle Because you <sighs> suffer from anxiety, you've said, and you've really struggled to let people know. Yeah, my anxiety, when if I'm having a bad day, you'll only, I mean, I would look immaculate. This is, like, I always dress decently and stuff anyway, but on the days that people would go like, you have so got your shit together. I go, thank you. I'm trying really hard to portray that today. Yeah. Um, and that's just a thing, you know, like I've always had um, terrible anxiety Um no, no idea why. Haven't been medicated for ten years, but yeah. But it's just a thing. Like I, and I, I think cope we think because of it I do. As in, you know, I oh, I need something big and significant to happen in my life for me to warrant having anxiety. But you don't. It, no. it might be something so small and minute that might trigger you. Yeah, but yeah, to yeah. you, it's really massive. Yeah, and see, I don't. I you know, it's um, it's just it's a funny thing because I think. Often we just automatically think that um, everybody is better at coping than us. You know, like how funny is that? 
how funny is that that we just automatically think that we go like we always compare and it's just that social media stuff and I don't mind you sharing that like it, it social media sucks social media is just this this constant thing that we're looking at beautiful pictures of, of a snapshot of somebody's life and we we're judging our entire day based upon that and we're going oh you know look at how that person looks today and yet this is how I feel um and we're just so, so good at portraying that we've got our shit together and none of us do, not even a little bit. And so I've just gotten a lot better at going to people like they've gone, oh, you look great. And I'm going, I'm having a really difficult day today. Don't be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. Cause has a Facebook page. It's it's Community Response Eliminating Suicide. So people can search for it on Facebook. Yep. Yep. How can they find out about training sessions here in Charters Towers? Um, if you go through the Townsville Facebook page, we just we have a running list of people who are interested and then we just run one then. Um, and we do have a few who are actually interested in becoming facilitators um, both in Travis Towers and in Townsville. So if you are listening to this and you've done the training and you've gone, you know, I could probably run one a year, um, then we'd love to hear from you because if you contact that Townsville page, we'll train you for free. Um, and link in with you to make sure that we can do it on days and times that you're available. Um, and you can impart some of that knowledge to other people. You know, we talk about, um, we talk about brave, <laughs> we talk about bravery. And, um, in this instance, um, I understand that it's, it's difficult for some people to have these conversations. I understand it's difficult for some people to hear. Um, but it's just a really small amount of time. It's a really small amount of time. And there is something that everybody can do to support the people around them. And in the end, people always people always look back and reflect that at difficult times of their life that there were complete strangers often that were there for them. Yeah. How cool is that? And it is brave. It is brave to talk up, um, to talk out. It is brave to, to take that time. Um, but I've never heard of anybody who's, it's been a waste of their time. Yeah, they've all said, I'm glad, glad I haven't needed that yet, is what they've said. But I have it if I do. But I have that in my toolkit. Yeah. It's like an insurance, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. You have it there for the just in case. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, and these trainings are, um, they're vital to the community to make sure we can support one another. But also... Um, Funding is always really limited. You know, this is this is non-for-profit, so funding is always really limited. We need to make sure that when it's there, we're utilising it um, so that we can we can prove um, its use. We can prove that people want this information. Mm. It's interesting you say that because um, CAUSE have just secured some funding through yeah. PHN for the next 18 months, yeah. I believe. love it. And um, that has been a very long time coming. Yeah. And I think it was um, – I was very happy to see that funding was being poured into local grassroots community organisations. And I love that yeah. about CAUSE because it's adaptable um, and the deliverables are different to yeah. your communities who you're um, delivering it to from Palm Island to Townsville to regional outbacks. Yeah, and it really can be – it really can be um, developed even further – to make sure that it is um, as reflective as possible for for what that community requires. So mm. um, it's a real blessing to have 
um, can I say, people like Ross who have spent so much time and energy making sure that the rest of us have those skills. Um, I'm just, I do, I, um, it is such a small amount of my time um, and I constantly feel blessed by the number of people that that turn up and give their time towards it. It, it, um, it makes me very hopeful for my little boys. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.